What's up, guys? Here we are, back at it for another episode of the H2B Podcast. I'm Tanner, your host. Got a good episode coming down the pipe for you, and uh, starting something a little new today. I decided I was going to start featuring some local musicians to bring us in. And uh, yeah, bringing us in there, that is Kerchief with, uh, let me see what the name of the song was. Yeah, that was Kerchief with Evil Parts. They're a uh, local Chattanooga band, I think. Let's see what they've got here i believe they hail down from uh ohio and now they're calling chattanooga home good band it's uh easily maybe one of my top favorite local bands I, I discovered them right before the pandemic and uh they sung me right through that while i was cooped up at home and you know doing all that so yeah welcome guys here we are at the h2b podcast it is march 25th 24th it is march 24th it's a thursday welcome people thanks for tuning in if uh, this is your first episode, thanks for finding us. You know, leave us a comment. Tell us, uh, or shoot an email, or leave us a comment, or give us a rating, review, anything like that in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And uh, thanks for tuning in, especially if it's your first time tuning in to us. And if it is, make sure you hit that subscribe button so uh, you don't miss out on future episodes. But uh, yeah, if you don't know who I am, I am Tanner, your host around these parts. And uh, yeah, I got a fun episode for you today. I'm going to talk about a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, I guess what I'm going to talk about first is a little bit of local stuff. We're uh, around the Chattanooga, Tennessee, Georgia border is about where we're at. And uh, I know over this past weekend, it was kind of gorgeous on Saturday or Sunday and then kind of rainy the rest of the time. And then Monday, evidently, there was some storms down uh, in Louisiana. And then yesterday, there were some storms in New Orleans and Mississippi and some places like that. thought I'd share something with you that's... Uh, little bit of personal side to mine is I like to be prepared for things and uh, through COVID and just kind of life in general, I've come to where I appreciate being prepared for bad situations. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you shouldn't be waiting. You know, if you've got a hurricane coming at you, you shouldn't be waiting until the hurricane's there to be putting boards on your windows. So I thought I'd share a little tips and tricks for, you know, here locally in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, the scenic city. Dalton, Georgia area, Cleveland area. You know, if you're around the Tennessee, Georgia border, Alabama border, this be information that's probably a little useful to you, you know, because we don't, we're lucky in that we don't, we don't get massive snowfall each year. We don't get 
you know, we'll get tornadoes and stuff occasionally. We don't get earthquakes. We don't really get hurricanes. We may get like the remainder of some hurricanes, but all in all, weather-wise, we're pretty lucky. I don't I don't think there's anywhere in the world you can go really and dodge a hundred percent uh natural phenomenon like that. So being where we're at, it's pretty good. But it's not to say, you know, we get hit with tornadoes once in a while. We have had earthquakes here. You know, they're not, nothing major, but, you know, we've had had them. Stuff can happen. Stuff can happen. Life happens. And uh, best be prepared. So I thought I would share um, a little bit of some things I do since, you know, we're not really, at most, we're having to worry about maybe a tornado, maybe some flooding. And uh, or just maybe some like bad storms and down power lines and such like that. So I thought I would share kind of some of my things that uh, I keep around my person and my home and my vehicle that give me a little bit more peace of mind in situations because I'm weird. I'm kind of a contradiction. I like storms, but they also kind of frighten me a little bit. But I love a good storm. Sitting at home, like good book. It's pouring rain outside. It's cozy. I like it. So, yeah, preparedness, though, is a. Uh, so I guess I'm just going to read off a list here, some things that, uh, you know, and if you're in California or, you know, a coastal city where you've got hurricanes and earthquakes and things like that, maybe don't listen to what I've got to say. I mean, certainly these tips won't hurt you, but you've got a little bit more extensive preparedness you all probably need to look into since uh, I'm just kind of dealing, you know, my Tennessee self is uh, just kind of dealing with some tornadoes and maybe a mild earthquake, maybe a little flooding little wind, little rain. So you guys got a little worse. So you need, you need uh, more than a one-on-one class that I'm providing, but yeah, get you a box together. I, I put one of these, I've got one in my truck. I've got one in my home. And then I've got a little, a backpack that's got some stuff in it. I call it my go bag. If uh, something happens and I need to evacuate or anything like that, I don't know what would necessarily happen in Chattanooga where I live that would need me to evacuate. But if I do, I can't. So in such bags, I've got like a, uh, it's one of those like tough built storage containers. It's probably about a, I don't know, a foot wide, uh, probably about a foot deep that I've got in the back of my truck. And in there I've got, you know, flashlights, I've got some gloves, I've got a couple like protein bars and stuff like that. That's not going to go bad real quick. Um, I've got a rain jacket, a warm jacket. I've got a couple space blankets and a couple regular blankets. Yeah, I think I said flashlights. I've got a first aid kit in there. I've got a couple bottles of water. You know, I've got one of those kits that's like one of those roadside assistant kits that's got like reflectors and flares and tools and stuff like that in it. Everyone should have that stuff. I don't care if you're driving a Camry, a truck. I You should have this stuff in your vehicle because, I mean, you never know when you're going to get out there and, I don't know, you're just headed home from work one evening, but there's a storm afoot. Maybe there's a down tree. Maybe there's water across the road. You can't get home or maybe you get stranded in some way. You're going to be real thankful you've got some of those snacks and uh, maybe a sweater or a jacket to put on, especially if it's snowing and it's cold out. And uh, for this very situation, I've actually been caught in this exact situation where I and getting back to preparedness. It's why I now drive a four-wheel drive truck and not a two-wheel drive truck. But I got my truck stuck a couple of years back and almost, I guess, about five, six years to the day, right before Easter. It was the night before Easter and me and some buddies had gone like on a little late night jaunt, just kind of driving down a gravel road 
kind of exploring just something to do on a Saturday night. Went to turn around, just a simple, like a little U-turn situation, and it was just enough of a ditch that was just enough wet for me to get my truck stuck. And uh, so me and my buddy slept in my truck that night, and it was kind of one of the last cold nights of the year before uh, spring really sprung. So yeah, we built a fire, hungered down for the night. We had zero cell phone service. Luckily, we were somewhat near some houses, but we had no cell service. So we kind of just waited. You know, we built a fire to stay warm, got the space blankets out, got in my truck and uh, would like sparsely use the heater and just slept in my truck that night. Wasn't super fun, not enjoyable, but uh, certainly glad I had the supplies that I did. We had some snacks, had a little bit of music because I've got a weather radio in there. So we're at least able to listen to the radio and not run the car battery down. And yeah, the space blankets, they work. Hard to sleep in them because they crinkle, but they do work. And uh, we stayed warm that night. And then about, I don't know, 630 the next morning, a state trooper uh, came by and knocked on the car window and woke us up. Super nice guy. Yeah, he called us a tow truck. We got pulled out of there. And, you know, and speaking another preparedness tip here, that tow truck arrived. I had no cash on me. So I ended up having to give him, I had my camera with me, my 5D. So I ended up, I was like, look, man, I don't have any cash on me. This is my camera. This is a, uh, it's a $2,000 camera. There's about $3,500 worth of gear in this camera bag. Way more than the $75 you wanted to pull me out of this ditch. I'm going to send you with my camera as collateral and I will come by your tow truck office later today with $75 to give you to get my camera back. And so he did that. Um, and no harm, no foul. I got my camera back. I, I trust him. I mean, he's a businessman, but keep a little cash in that box too. It probably wouldn't hurt you to keep, I don't know, hundred dollars cash in there or something, which I know with these gas prices going up, that's a, that's a little ridiculous, but yeah, be prepared, people. And uh, something I mentioned that I didn't put in my initial list is Amazon. I mean, I think you can get these anywhere. I think Walmart sells them. Target sells them. I got mine off Amazon, and it is a weather radio. And I cannot stress enough, I buy these as gifts and give them out. They're not expensive. It was, it's like 20 25 bucks for this little weather radio. It's got a built-in flashlight. It's got an alarm, a very very nicely functioning alarm that is uh, loud as hell. If you listen to the brew chat podcast, I was over at Jared's one night. He's my co-host on that show. And uh, we were over there sitting on his front porch, watching a storm roll in one night and the power was out. So we were listening to my weather radio and uh, he was like, huh, Tanner, what does this uh, big red button on the side of your weather radio do? So he hit it. And I'd never actually heard the alarm go off, but it was loud enough that his neighbor came out of their house to investigate what was happening. I'm talking across the street, diagonal neighbor came out of their house to see what the siren was. So it works if, uh, which I imagine that would be used, you know, I don't know if you uh, were in a tornado or you ran your car off the road or something, it'd be a good way to signal some people. But this weather radio, it, uh, it's got an alarm function that is separate from the actual like push the button wee woo. And uh, basically what it does, it'll just stay in standby mode unless the weather service issues a warning of some kind and then it'll come on, it'll play. You've heard it before. It pops up at the bottom of the screens when you're watching like 
I don't know, daytime TV and things like that, or listen to the radio and it'll do that thing, that little bell. And just like, there is a storm approaching at 6 PM, you know, one of those things. So it basically just gives you that on a cycle. And, uh, yeah, it just lets you know it, you're getting the core information straight from the weather service straight over, a like short band radio. I, it doesn't use FM. It doesn't use AM. I'm not sure it's its own weather band. So I'm not sure. I feel like it's a shortwave sort of situation because it does have to be pretty local. But yeah, just tune in. It'll give you the weather. It'll give you any warnings, things like that. Coolest thing about this weather radio, though, you can charge it via USB. You can also put double A's in it. It's got a flashlight built in. It's got a LED reading light built in. It's got a little winder. So if you run out of juice, you can just rotate the little winder thing on the side and charge it back up. And it's also got a solar panel built in. There is no reason you should not own one of these. I own three of them. I've got one in my truck, one in my home, and then one in my bag. Fortunately, I've never needed it in the sense of like it warned me of some impending doom. But uh, the peace of mind it provides is pretty nice. And then just, you know, I've used the flashlight quite a bit. I've used it to charge my phones when the power's been out. You know, it uses, I think it's USB. I don't know. It's the little USB. It's USB 2.0, the B one, the smaller one that they're using in all the uh, devices these days. So it just charges up on that. It's got an output, I think five uh, or whatever to charge devices on. So it's got fast charging capabilities, charge your phone up, all that sort of stuff. Get you a couple of these, put them in your vehicles, put them in your garage or basement, wherever. Be prepared. There's no, uh, no worse time to not have this than when a storm's rolling in, the power goes out and you're wondering if like, hey, is there a tornado? Like, and your phones do run out of juice. They do. And uh, so a storm's coming in, your phone's out of juice. What are you going to do? You know, I've been in that. Uh, and just in the same vein of power, you know, unlimited power is there's this brand. It's called Jackery. Let me look it up here. Jackery box. Yeah, it's called Jackery. And they, uh, the Jackery box is what they're called. They sell them on Amazon. They've got their own website, jackery.com. And it's basically, it looks like a little like Bluetooth speaker, about the size of a small lunchbox. And it's a power bank. I've got one of these I keep in my truck. I can use it to jump my truck off if it's dead. I can use it to jump other people's off. I've got a solar panel I can connect to it. I can plug in two uh, like AC plugs, I think one DC plug. It's got two USB 3.0 ports. It's got a USB-C port. It's got a flashlight built in. And it's handy. Uh, just to give you a frame of reference of it, I'll take it camping with me. And between blowing up an air mattress, charging some phones, uh, running some lights at night, some small like LED floodlights around the campsite, by the next morning, it was only at about 68%. So I'd only used, I don't know, about 38% of the battery doing all that stuff. And then getting up periodically in the night to refill the uh, the air mattress with it. So they hold a charge pretty well. They are pretty affordable. The small one's about 200 bucks. And you get, it claims it can run a mini fridge for 13 hours. I've not tested it, but that's what it claims. Um, super handy though. If you're in an emergency situation, your power's out. Especially if you know if where you live 
you know, if you are in a hurricane prone area or an earthquake prone area and you may be in a situation where you may be without power for a few days, like what happened last year in Texas with a snowstorm, it would have been handy to have had one of these. But yeah, like I said, keep one of these kits in your car, keep one in a closet, keep one somewhere else in your home that's easily accessible. And uh, yeah, just have in there things like flashlights, some protein bars, some snacks, things like that. First aid kit's a must. Get some candles in there, get some batteries in there, a rain jacket's good, get some bottles of water in there. And uh, if you got one of these battery box, do that. Honestly, put you some, whatever little activity you like, put you a, a novel in there or a puzzle book or a crossword puzzle or something to do. Something to eat, eat up a little bit of time. You're going to be thankful for that. And then if you are in a shelter in place situation, you don't have to get out. Water does become an issue. So bleach your bathtub. Fill the tub up with water. You know, not even for drinking water, but just in case, you know, your toilet water gets shut off and whatnot, you can still flush the toilet. Um, yeah, and you may be wondering, why am I saying this? Is, I don't know, it's, it's tis the season. Tis the season, people. It's storm season, tornado season here in the South. And, uh, you know, I grew up here ever since I was a kid. I was kind of scared of storms and whatnot. So now that I'm older and kind of understand how storms work, I think they're kind of neat, but I like to be prepared for them. And uh, you should too. It's, it's really smart, especially being in the season. You don't want to be left hanging out to dry via a tornado. But yeah, be prepared, people. And when you're out driving around, especially in the Chattanooga area and the Tennessee area, we got a lot of water, a lot of water up there. So yeah, watch for those flooded roads. Look ahead, like maybe pull up the news, pull up some maps, things like that. See if your path home is clear. And uh, cause you definitely don't want to try to cross water like that. I know it's real tempting. I mean, I I've got a four wheel drive truck. It, it tempts me every time I come to it, but don't want to lose my truck and water is powerful. So yeah, mind those flooded roads. Mind them. They matter and they're dangerous. I think that's all I got to say on that. It's uh, It's been a pretty crazy week for storms. I think storms, uh, we got some more coming next week, I think. And then I believe last night, like Louisiana and Mississippi got hit pretty hard. But yeah, stay safe out there, people. Stay safe. Um, I'm going to play you another song here from, uh, from Kerchief before we get to our main topic a bit is uh, I've got some podcast news I'm going to be talking about here in a second but first let's uh let's slip on over and listen to Kerchief this is uh you know this is till the end by Kerchief
I'm just going to let that play out right there. I'm not going to cut it like the radio does, people. That was a great sign. That was Kerchief till the end. I think that song came out in 2019. And again, uh, yeah, if you're just picking in here, just your mind woke up and decided to just start paying attention. This is a local Chattanooga band. They come down from Ohio and now call Chattanooga home, which I think is pretty rad because I think the band is pretty awesome. I love the bass line in that song. And uh, yeah, so they're playing all around the Chattanooga area. North Georgia area. Uh, I imagine they get down to Atlanta and Huntsville and up to Nashville a little bit. So check them out. If you see them coming to somewhere near you, go check them out. It's a great band. They're a good time. Um, but anyway, moving on here, moving on to our final segment of the day. Let's uh, let's talk about some podcast stuff. Is uh, There's been some podcast news happening, and uh, I'm going to try to sort of Pull all this together in some sort of amalgam of podcast news because there's not really like one source for good podcast news. So you got to browse around quite a bit. But I'm going to touch on some stuff I thought was interesting. So Apple's making some moves is uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some analytics and statistics this episode. But before we get to that is Apple's making some moves. Apple's making it easier for shows to know how many people follow them. And uh, if you've been podcasting for a bit, if you know anything about it, or you've been trying to keep track of analytics for it, you know, if you have a website, for example, it's pretty easy to track analytics as far as like 
Who's coming to my website? How long are they staying on my website? What's the bounce rate? How long are they going from page to page on my website? Where are they linking from? You know, are they Googling me and coming to my website from Google? Are they typing in it in a search bar and finding it? Or, you know, maybe they search for chairs and for whatever reason, the, the SEO on my website put me in there with chairs. Who knows? It's pretty easy. You know, what, what I'm saying is pretty easy with a website to be able to track analytics and see where your traffic's coming from, where it's going, what countries it's coming from, et cetera, et cetera. Little trickier with podcasts because ultimately it's tricky because you've got a couple different variables with podcasts, to be honest. You've got your download numbers, but then you've also got site visits. You've also got listens, and it's kind of hard to track actual listens, which not to mention you've got you know, I call them podcatchers, but that's anything like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. It's anywhere where you, it's a podcast app. Anywhere that's got a podcast library, I just call them podcatchers. It's kind of a, no pun intended, catch-all of a, of a term that I can call all those. And so with all these different podcatchers, each one has their own analytics system. So your podcast, it's on a website. You upload your audio each week. Then you've got an RSS feed that this audio feeds into, and then you plug this RSS feed, you tell, you give it to iTunes, you give it to Stitcher, you give it to Spotify, all of this. And basically what that RSS feed does is it tells iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcatchers, like, hey, here's my podcast, here's the website it's attached to, and here's what, here's the link you need to check and refresh every once in a while, an hour, once a day, whatever, to see if there's new content and then it will automatically pull said content down and throw it into your podcatcher, your podcast app, again, whether that's Stitcher, Grover, Google Play, Spotify, whatever, this HTML that is your RSS feed tells these apps that you've got new stuff that's been uploaded and then it will pull those down to your listeners. So where it gets a little tricky is each one of these podcatchers has their own analytics system. And then you also have your own analytics system built into whatever web service you're using for your initial RSS feed. So, you know, let's say you're using Squarespace. You upload your audio each week. You type up a nice little blurb, a synopsis about the episode. You drop in some album art, click publish, and then magically it pops up in uh, to your listeners in their favorite podcast app. So Squarespace is going to have their own analytics. That's telling you just straight up what's coming from the website that your podcast is hosted on. But then it gets sent to Stitcher. It gets sent to Spotify. It gets sent to iTunes. It gets sent to Google Play. It gets sent to Grover. It gets sent over here. It gets sent over there. Each one of those services separate from your main web hosting service is going to have its own analytics. So you can imagine if you've got your podcast, you've got it hosted on the website. You've got it on all these other podcasts, podcatcher services. How do you equate all of these various analytics into something usable that somebody, that advertisers or clients would actually be interested in? That's a usable bit of data because, you know, I could tell you, yeah, my podcast gets uh, 60,000 downloads per episode. That doesn't necessarily mean that those 60,000 people are all listening to that episode. They could be just downloading it to take up space on a hard drive and never listening to a single second of your content. It also doesn't mean that they're listening to 
your entire episode. They could turn it on, listen to the first five minutes, decide they don't like it, and then they're just too lazy to go in and unsubscribe from your podcast, which is ultimate. It's good for you because, I mean, hey, you're still you're getting one more listener out of that, but it's not a listener. They're just downloading, which is ultimately not providing you anything as a content creator because ultimately the name of the game here is, hey, hey, pay attention to me. That's essentially what you're doing. If they're not paying attention to you, it's no use to you. It's really not. So the key is figuring out how to up that number of listeners, not downloads. And not all podcatchers will actually give you the data of whether your shows are actually being listened to. They all give you the download numbers, but not all of them will tell you how much is being listened to. I hope that clears up a little bit there, but it doesn't take a genius to see where that can get a little confusing. You know, if you've got, I don't know, let's say you've got your pod, your podcast is in all these podcatchers. You, I'm going to simplify the numbers here just for the sake of simplicity, but let's say you've got a hundred people listening on iTunes. You've got 200 people listening on Spotify. You've got 50 people listening in Stitcher. That is valuable information to have for you as a creator. Because that tells you, that gives you some demographics information about your show. You know, if people are listening in iTunes and that's where most of your listener numbers are coming from, it's a fair assumption that uh, most of your listeners are Apple products users, for example. If most of your downloads and episode listens are coming from iTunes, yeah, it's a pretty logical assumption that they uh, use iPhones you could make a little bit of a leap of logic from there to assume that they have Mac computers. Then go a little bit further from that. I don't know any statistics on demographics for Apple computers off the top of my head here. But I assume, you know, actually, you know what? Let's just look them up. Let's look them up right here. Statistics for Apple computer consumers. See, this is from CapitalCounselor.com. This is just giving me, like, information on the country company itself this isn't exactly useful to me right now but either way you can make you can find all sorts of articles and whatnot in your own time that will break down demographic sort of statistics for apple computers and you know you a safe assumption for example for apple computers is uh you know i don't like to generalize but you could probably make the generalization that if somebody primarily uses apple computers it's pretty likely they work in a creative field you know, they're a graphic designer, a web designer, musician, what have you, a podcaster, whatever. That doesn't mean that, you know, like my dad doesn't do any of those things and he's an Apple computer user. So that doesn't stay true, but you can make some assumptions like that. And if you make the assumption like, so if you know the fact that, okay, my show gets most of its downloads, iTunes. So that must mean that a good portion of my listeners are Apple product users then you can leap a little bit from that to say, okay, well, if they're Apple product users, that means they may work in creative fields, which explains why they're listening to my podcast about the podcast landscape in the world. Okay, so they're trying to learn some information about how to make things better in their creative field. And uh, so I don't know, I guess, long story short, I'm just saying, dig a little deeper on your analytics and things like that and just use some basic logic and you can kind of draw some conclusions on your own without having just an in-your-face statistic. Honestly, statistics are pretty useless unless you know how to read them anyway. So I'm trying to just give you a little bit of context on how to read your 
your download numbers and your listener numbers. iTunes is changing some stuff up here. Apple, which it's not iTunes anymore. I think they got rid of iTunes. Shows you how old I am. So Apple is making it easier for shows to know how many people follow them. Uh, let's see here. So if you go to, you know, the iTunes, it's like, it's like the Apple Podcast Connect page or whatever. It's a, uh, if you make podcasts, you're familiar with it. I can't remember the exact name of it because Apple's changed their names. It was the iTunes Podcast Store. Now it's just the Apple Podcast Store. They've changed it so many times. It's the same thing. It's just got a different name. But in uh, Apple's podcasts, the side of it for podcasters, there's not, it's got some analytics in there right now, but not a ton. Yeah, it's called Apple Podcast Connect. Let's go over here and see what some of my data is doing here. So let's see. I'll uh, I'll click into BrewChat here and just see what BrewChat's doing. And just see what kind of information they give you. So right off the bat, when you load in, it doesn't have any analytics. It just shows you, gives you your categories. It gives you the name of your podcast. You know, all that fun stuff. It lets you change your RSS feed in there, which scroll back about 10, 15 minutes. You learn all about that again. Yeah, it allows you to, I don't know, change any sort of information about your show you might want to change. So I'm going to go to analytics here at the bottom. Apple actually gives you, this may be the new analytics. I've not looked at it yet, but uh doesn't matter for this. Is uh, Apple's giving some pretty useful statistics here. Like it tells you top countries, regions, top cities, um, which that's a very useful analytic to have is geographically. Where are people listening to you? I know with BrewChat, we've got a good amount of listeners in uh, Japan, which might you might think like, Maybe listening to this little podcast out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tono, Japan is Chattanooga, Tennessee's sister city. Very similar climate, similar size, things like that. And I've learned through the grapevine that some people, because they have such a close connection here with Chattanooga, they, you know, Japanese folk will listen to our podcast and it helps them with their English because they're learning English the way it's spoken in their sister city. And Chattanooga has done a lot to help build up the relationship between Tono Japan and Chattanooga. I would arguably say it may be, we've got a couple sister cities, like there's one in Germany. I think there's one in South America somewhere, but you don't hear anything from them, but there's like a little delegation that goes back and forth between Tono and Chattanooga all the time. Plus they've got a brewery over there. But yeah. So when you look at your analytics, you need to take some sort of logic inference into it a little bit. And you know, if you had a, we had a problem for a while where we had a, we could not figure out, I mean, this was, I don't know, four years ago or so, but we could not figure out why we had all these listeners in Russia. Just could not figure it out. Are the Ruskies just that uh, into our podcast? Like, what's the the deal here? Now, come to find out, it was just bots. It was just Russian bots clicking subscribe. And, uh, you know, that's another good example of why you can't necessarily just rely on download numbers. We had probably 200 Russian bots that were downloading our episode, which sure, Looks great to the uninitiated on our downloaded numbers. It's ultimately nothing because these bots aren't listening to the podcast. They're not engaging with the content. And that's ultimately what you want is you want people to listen to your content or view your content and then give you engagement on the content. You don't want them to listen to it and just throw it away. It's not a candy bar. Like once you're done with it, that's that. They've forgotten about it. They moved on. So if you can incentivize some sort of interaction and engagement that's really the key to it and using your analytics to sort of break down like okay how can i reshape this 
into something that's usable. So if I look at mine and uh, see that ah, I got a good number of listeners in Chattanooga, that tells me maybe I need to hone my content into being a little bit more local and double down on that content for those viewers. Because people, I don't know, listeners in, uh, I don't know, let's say listeners in Portland, Oregon, you know, I'm sure people in Chattanooga or people in Portland have been to Chattanooga and they like it just fine. But on the whole, people living in Portland aren't going to largely care about happenings going on in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So look at your analytics and sort of just use some logic to kind of break through some of these things. Another bit of information your analytics will give you is it will tell you, this is similar to me talking about how uh, you can see what apps and what podcatchers people are using. And if they're using Apple Podcasts app, it's a good inference to assume that they're an Apple consumer. These analytics will also tell you what browser, phone operating system, things like that, that people are using. So you can also use that information. If they're, uh, you know, not to call anybody out, but if I see somebody using Internet Explorer to download my podcast, I'm just going to assume that that person's not a very tech savvy person, not calling them dumb. It's just, no, that's a person that doesn't necessarily use computers a lot. They don't know they're uninitiated. Oh, they initiated. And, uh, yeah, they just don't know any better. So I'm going to assume with that, that they may just be going to my website and streaming the podcast on my website and not actually subscribing to it elsewhere, which that's going to hurt my numbers because that's, yeah, you're getting a download and a listen, but you're not actually getting any sort of help on your statistics there. And just due to the fact that they may be a little less tech savvy, you're not going to get engagement out of them. So yeah, iTunes or Apple, I keep calling it iTunes. Apple is changing things up a little bit. Yeah, giving some much better analytics, much more thorough. You'll be able to tell top cities. And uh, one thing I really like that I think is super useful is you can tell how much time people have listened. That is an extremely important analytic and statistic to have is if you've got people, if you run a hour long show, say you've got an hour long show that's segmented, something similar like fresh air on NPR, that's got different segments in it. If they're only listening to that first 10 minute segment of your hour long show, that's when you need to double down. You need to think like, okay, what is it about these 10 minutes that's pulling people in? And then why are they cutting it off after 10 minutes? Does it get boring or, you know, do they just get tired of hearing my voice? Do I not have good audio quality? What, what's variable is off here that they're turning my show off after? So the analytics, a lot of people approach them as like the analytics are bragging rights is how a good number of people approach them. But it's not really because A, they can be so vague and really, the analytics in and of themselves mean nothing without the context of other data and analytics. It takes some inference to make some sense of it is, you know, it's not an exact science. So you've got to kind of look and I don't know, read between the lines a little bit. You know, like I was saying, it's like, oh, well, if they're accessing it from Safari, oh, they're probably a Mac user. OK, if they're a Mac user. That means they may likely they're probably pretty tech savvy and they work in a creative, you know, things like that. Use some inference. And uh, whatnot. One thing I don't like about this Apple update here is uh, it seems like they're going to be creating kind of a jumpstart program to help people with some of the more technical aspects of podcast podcasting. 
uh, on their Apple podcast platform, but they're going to be charging for that, which, uh, you know, another big company, nickel and diming us, that's going to be a 1999 annual fee, which is not terrible. It could be a much worse fee. And it does seem like you actually get some useful analytics and things out of that, but they've also announced something that I think this to me is the coolest part because I've been doing podcasts since about 2005. They're now going to permit not only MP3 files, but also wave and flack files. And so some of you may be asking, like, I don't even know what that is. It's just a different audio format is all it is. Flack, if I remember correctly, has a, uh, you can put DRM, I believe, on flack files, digital rights management stuff. And then I also believe you may be able to embed more intricate metadata in that. I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. But it's always good to have more formats that you're able to use because some people don't know the difference between an MP3 and a WAV file. A WAV file is going to be much bigger than an MP3. An MP3 is compressed, which is what makes it an MP3. FLAC is also compressed, but it's just a different file type. It's close, It's a little closer to CD quality and uh, better audio quality. So let's move on. Let's talk about Spotify for a minute here. Spotify a Spotify update suggests one ingredient to podcast engagement starts with search results. We were talking about this a little earlier about engagement, how that is ultimately what you want on your podcast. And uh, you want people to listen, but you want people leaving you comments. You want them sharing you around. You want them telling your friends about you and how awesome your show is. So let's see. I'll just read the article here. Uh, Spotify has changed how it helps users discover podcast content, integrating so-called natural language search technology for podcast episodes. It replaces the traditional term matching that bases search results on whether the queried words appear in the indexed metadata, such as the title of an episode. And uh, here's a quote from him. We know users don't always type the exact words for what they want to listen to, and we have to use fuzzy matching, normalization, and even manual aliases to make up for it. Uh, this is from Alexandra Alexander Tamburino, a machine learning engineer at Spotify. While these techniques are very helpful for the user and they have limitations as they can't capture all the variations of expressing yourself in natural language, especially when using natural language sentences, he explains. Natural language search, which has also been called semantic search, instead matches the search query with an, the metadata using less word-specific parameters. Instead, synonyms to the word or paraphrases can be used to find search results based on a more natural use of language. So basically what I take from this is uh, like, say, I'll go back to the chair example. If you search for chair, say you're looking for a song named chair in Spotify, it's not only going to pull up the song named chair, but it's also, it may pull up a song named seat, may pull up a song named recliner, may pull up a uh, song named armchair. You know, it's going to, which that's a little more obvious one, but it's going to, uh, it's going to kind of use the synonyms, like I said, or other phrases for whatever you're looking for to kind of fill that in a little bit and be a little bit smarter. Let's see. In one example of how it works, the search electric cars climate impact on Spotify turns up results of podcast episodes that say environmental impact of electric vehicles, while another search of dealing with COVID PTSD gives a podcast episode titled dealing with COVID anxiety. Tim Barino points out that none of the retreat episodes contained all of the query words in the title, but the results using natural language certs did deliver results that seem quite relevant to the query. Yet because Tim Barino says there is no silver bullet in retrieval, 
Spotify has decided to make natural language search an additional source of matching rather than just replace exact term matching and other technologies. The initial results are positive for not only search results, but also podcast discovery. So basically they're just changing, uh, they're giving you a new way that Spotify searches. This isn't going to be like a checkbox or anything like that, that your potential listeners are going to have to change. They won't notice anything. It's kind of a, uh, it's an under the hood update they're doing, if you will, of where it's just going to make people, it's going to make you and your podcast a little bit easier to find, which that is always a good thing. Finally, last but not least here. Big ad agencies look to create new content rating service for podcasts. NewsGuard, the technology company that rates the credibility of news and information websites and tracks online misinformation, is reportedly working with several big advertising agencies on a new service that would bring its rating service to podcasting. MediaPost says NewsGuard is in talks with at least three of the ad industry's big holding companies who would purportedly have six-month exclusive access to the information and would help them guide where their ad buys are directed. So uh, basically, the way I take this is, uh, I don't know, as podcasting grows, the Wild West of it gets beaten out. And, uh, you know, we're approaching like 20 years of podcasting, essentially. It started in the early 2000s, and I guess kind of by the time I was on it, it was about 2005. Yeah, it's grown. I mean, everybody's got a podcast nowadays. So I don't know about you, but I remember in the 90s when uh, TV shows started having ratings. And that's essentially what I believe is happening here is it's going to allow companies to kind of rate podcasts and stuff. And it could be good, could be bad, you know, if the wrong thing gets labeled as misinformation. But we'll see. I'm excited for uh, more infrastructure in the podcasting world is what I'm excited for. Let's see what this says here a little on further down the article. Their tool is powered by natural language processing and would include risk profiles for shows and specific episodes for such things as adult and sexually explicit content, profanity and obscene use, and discussions about controversial social issues. Unlike some keyword-based solutions, Barometer analyzes entire transcripts, transcripts in context, interprets each utterance, and assigns a concrete risk soar. So yeah, it sounds like they're just going to be rating podcasts to Okay, is this person just spouting off the dome or do they actually know what they're talking about, et cetera, et cetera. Let's see. Seeing a need to address brand safety worries, some podcasters are embracing the use of third-party tools in a move. iHeartMedia says it geared towards or it geared to make advertisers more comfortable with buying ads across its network of more than 750 iHeartRadio original podcasts. The company last month said it is partnering with Sounder, the podcast management and monetization platform. Under the alliance, iHeartMedia will integrate Sounder's brand safety rating tools for use by ad buyers across the iHeart podcast network. So yeah, just a rating system that's coming, getting a little bit, getting above board, people. That's what we're doing, and I'm in for it. But uh, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you guys with uh, one more song from Kerchief here on the way out. Before I do, I just want to say I appreciate you guys tuning in. If it's your first time, welcome. Hope you enjoyed. Go, uh, go on over. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Subscribe. Write us a review. It really helps us show up in the search there. Really helps uh, get our numbers up ourselves. And uh, if you've got a podcast yourself, leave it in the comments. We'll check it out. Since it's a Chattanooga band, decided I would uh, go with this one since it's named one of my favorite restaurants in town. But uh, yeah, closing out. Thanks for tuning in, guys. That's all I got. And here is Kerchief with Milk and Honey. All I ever think about is money And how to get my hands on some Be the milk and I'll be the honey 
It's free to melt beneath the sun. All I ever knew is that I want you. And how to get my hands on some. But now I gotta know how to keep you. The dose is never strong enough. The dose is never strong enough. Sun. 